Radio Mano Papachango. episode is with the one and only Duncan Trussell, everybody's favorite intellectual, mystical lunatic. He is um, an ordained reverend, apparently. He um, claims to have an MD and a PhD, possibly a law degree. I'm not sure. He's studied a lot in his youth. In any case, uh, this this is one of these things where you know, sometimes the podcast feels more like an interview kind of show, and I hope most of the time it feels more like a conversation between people who are just getting to know one another, which is normally the case. Um, and then sometimes it probably sounds to you like you just got beamed into a conversation between two old friends that... Um, is, you know, you just like it beamed right into the middle of it. And I think that's probably how this one feels. Duncan and I have known each other for uh, six years, maybe something like that. He reached out to me and asked me to be on his podcast shortly after Sex at Dawn came out. And uh, that was my first contact with the L.A. comedy scene, uh, which has now become I don't know. I have a lot of friends in the LA comedy scene. It's I feel sometimes like a bit of an honorary comedian, although I'm not particularly funny. But um, I'm working on a stand-up bit. We'll see. I might actually do an open mic night at some point just to bask in public humiliation, not for the first time. But uh, yeah, Duncan asked me to be on his podcast. It was my first contact with the comedy scene. It was also my first contact with a podcast. I didn't know what a podcast was. And uh, needless to say, my life has never been the same. So I owe Duncan a debt of eternal gratitude. And uh, I consider him a close friend and a truly unique and wonderful human being. So I hope you'll enjoy this episode, this conversation. Uh, and if you aren't aware of Duncan, by the end of this, you certainly will be, and you should follow up uh, at the Duncan Trussell Family Hour, which is his podcast, which is uh, very well known and loved throughout the world. I'm not going to rant and rave. I think I did enough of that in the last episode. I'm just going to take advantage of the commercial-free nature of this podcast and get right into the conversation. I hope you enjoy this. I'm going to play a song by a previous guest, um, Simon Von Gent. He's a singer-songwriter who lives in Cape Town, South Africa. He was on episode 173. So if you want to hear <clears throat> more of his music and, and his thoughts, he's a very thoughtful dude. Episode 173 in the archives. This song is called Suffer Well. And... Uh, as we get into the conversation with Duncan, you'll understand why I chose this particular tune. Suffer well. 
Muhammad Ali stung like a bee, but he said he couldn't stand the training, but he swallowed the pain because he wanted to gain all the things he wound up gaining. Dostoevsky said this about those With hearts that love and with minds that know The bigger you are and the more that you care The greater the pain you'll have to bear And each of us must learn in our own way To silently relate Thing we hate Cause sure enough For everyone The time will come For suffering To be done And when it casts its spell I hope You suffer well said this and I agree that all this pain is necessary like squeezing diamonds out of coal it turns a mind into a soul and Nietzsche's life was strange and dark but what he said was on the mark That we'll survive our suffering By learning to see what it means And each of us must learn in our own way To silently relate To everything we hate Sure enough for everyone The time will come for suffering to be done And when it casts a spell I hope you suffer well Each of us 
must learn in our own way to silently relate to everything we hate cause sure enough for everyone the time will come for suffering to be done and when it casts its spell how you suffer well I just pushed the red button. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) I'm here with the man who needs no introduction. Enough said. That's my name. DT, Detox, Duncan T. Russell. Hello. MD, PhD. Uh, What else do you, the reverend? I'm a reverend now. Are you a reverend? So great. So does that mean you need to be revered? Yeah. Do I need to revere? Well, no, I got licensed to be revered like a lot there's a lot of unlicensed people who like uh, are revered and and, and they it's like i'm tr- i'm part of a group of reverends who are trying to make it illegal to be revered without first getting the credentials because right you know it's like sure sometimes someone will do something great oh you saved a kid from drowning right, right. And so people are revering that person right? right that doesn't make him a fireman well he didn't get cre- exactly yeah Where's your credentials? Where's your uniform? Who are you? Like, yeah. do I know? What else do you like? What's? Do you have any skeletons? in How your do we closet? know? You might have drowned two kids yesterday. Exactly. And the net is one kid yeah. down, and we're supposed to revere you. Exactly. I want credentials. I want. I yeah. want to know, and I think the government yeah. should be in control of that sort of thing. And, yeah. and I, I don't think we can just leave it to the, the market to decide who in our culture should be revered, which right. is why free market reverence never works out. Never has it. Never will it can't work it's like communism so yeah Yeah. licensed reverence is what it's all about right so if you want to revere me uh you won't be breaking the law let's just put it at that but if there's some other person that you might be revering right now illegitimately yeah which i imagine you probably are uh i'm not gonna i'm not gonna do a thing on your own podcast to like call you out on it but oh my own personal illegal unaccredited reverence yeah well, who's that? Or do you think you the people talk, who are... You often talk about that genius, as you call him, and he is a genius, in San Francisco, your friend. Uh, Stanley? What's his last... Krippner. Krippner. Do you, I think you revere him. I do, but he's licensed. Oh, what a relief. Yeah. Thank God. I, yeah. No, nothing against Stanley. You know, no, no, I, no. You know, I was actually having to like push back feelings of reverence for him because right. I didn't know. Let it flow, man. He's Let it licensed. flow. He married us, so I guess that means he must be some sort of, yeah, the Unitarian Universalist Church. He's, yeah, he's, he's licensed. He's licensed. Okay, that's good. But yeah, everyone listening out there, if like there's someone you like, I think there is a website like reverencecheck.com. <laughs> there's an app. Yeah. <laughs> Just do a facial scan. <laughs> is this a, a legitimate object of reverence? So is Joe? Joe's not. We both sort of revere Joe a little bit. Rogan? Yeah. 
He's not legit, is he? Joe is licensed. Is he? Oh, fuck yeah. He'd be in jail right now if so many people were All that him. reverence coming yeah, his way. Kidding? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's completely licensed. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Well, that's good to know. But it's like, actually, like you and for his license, it's kind of like bandwidth. You know, he gets so much reverence that he has to pay like extra fees or some shit. It gets oh. really like. That's one of the problems is you got to figure out a way to, the, the, to modulate your how many people are revering you or you end up having to pay an increase like it's a reverence tax right or yeah reverence tax <laughs> i want irreverence that's what i want i want a lot of that coming my way irreverence yeah what it, like yeah well that's the funny thing of like when like a really who fucking insulted me like there was like a famous rose comic that insulted me once i can't remember who it was that's a good sign. And you can't it, remember who insulted you. That's no. you got your shit together. Well, you know, I'll tell you who's a great Rose comic is Tony Hinchcliffe, Rogan's. A Rose? What's a Rose? Roast comic. Oh, Roast. Roast. People, roast. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah. The world's greatest up-and-coming comedian. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like Tony. And, like, I remember he, and the mo- and I'd never really been, like, roasted. I've had comedian friends forever, so I'm sure so, I've been in, <laughs> You've I've been singed. Had, I've never had like a well-crafted, <laughs> perfectly sort yeah. of like carved out, right. effortless, in the moment, dart thrown at me. Oh. Which was, uh, I was wearing this stupid jacket. And the way he said it, I can't even explain it. He perfectly made fun of my clothes, is all I can say. And he did it with love behind it, hmm. which made it the sweetest thing ever. It was right. really cool. I don't think people understand that about irreverence. Yeah. They don't understand that sometimes irreverence can be one of the main expressions of love for another person. Yeah, yeah. I, I often have felt uncomfortable... Um, because I think you and I talked about this the other day, texting, we're talking about, um, the fact that my dad's in the hospital and, and, you know, he's probably not coming out or if he does, Mm -hmm. he's not going far. And, and, you know, we were talking about how we deal with that. And in my family, there's a tradition of humor around love and around, um, death and, and, you know, darkness and horror and all that. And uh, I sometimes feel uncomfortable because I'll be with other people. And I know this is something comics deal with a lot where you guys will make jokes about something and civilians will be like, what the fuck? How, how, you know? Permanent en- enemies have been made yeah. by treating civilians like comedians. And, and that's why, because they don't understand that irreverence is often for you guys, especially yeah. an act of love. It's yeah. how you... And I think in my family, and I think in Irish culture, there's something in there. You know, funerals are parties. You know? Yeah. It's, and, uh, That's sophisticated. Yeah. I mean, I think that, yeah. that the... The, um, the the type of reverence that people have around... The people who seem to be the most reverent when it comes to death, I've found, are the people who have the least experience with death. If you run into people who have like work in a hospice or a dying person, dying people, I, I haven't been around that many dying people, but I haven't been around one reverent dying person. Hmm. I've never watched someone reverently die. <laughs> you know, they just fucking tell it like it is. Yeah. Man. Well, you hope so. You hope so. Yeah, I mean, because the thing is, just because you're dying doesn't mean you necessarily have experience with it, right? You only get to do it once. 
So, yeah, right. But it's different. I worked in hospitals in Spain for 10, 15 years or something. And I mean, I felt honored to be there. Yes. Because you'd walk down the hallway and you'd see someone who obviously had just been given a diagnosis and they were just sort of like sitting there staring yeah. in the middle space trying to process or someone who had just died. You'd yeah. see their family. So you're in a sacred place. There, there are really important things happening yeah. there. Um, but the other thing is that it's a place where, as you say, the doctors who deal with it a lot, humor is what keeps them going. Humor right. keeps them sane. And interestingly, sexuality. I found, because there are a lot of women doctors in Spain, sexy, super sexy. And I think it's, and I'm not talking about how they look. I'm talking about, like, they don't have time for bullshit. Right. They don't have time for lies and head games. And they're just, like, sexual, alive, no bullshit people. Nurses, too. I think it's because they're in the presence of death. They're like, hey, carpe fucking diem, man, you know? Live today. Well, this is why, you know, the problem with it, when you start talking about death, and I've, I've been on both sides of this, and now I'm, thank Christ, I'm on the other side. But at one point, I was just terrified of death. It really fucked with my head that I was going to die, that my parents were going to die. And if anyone even just started talking about it, mm. it would make me feel really, it would like give me an anxiety attack. Like mm. I couldn't deal with it. And there's this idea of how it's good to keep death on your shoulder. Right. When Castaneda wrote about that. Yeah. 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 Keep, lots of people Keep have. death on your shoulder. Yeah. And, and, and never forget that you're going to die. Yeah. Because like the Ramdas people, the foundation is called Love, Serve, Remember. And um, what does that remember mean? Well, it can, one of the things that it is remember you're going to fucking die. Mm. Don't forget that. Because you don't want to turn into a temporal trust fund kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's always more. Yeah. Spend it. Don't worry about it. There's yeah. always more. Yeah. yeah. No. That, it's because you know that all the poor trust fund kids, and I've met a few, and there I have yet to meet, thank God, a shitty trust fund kid. I've seen videos. I've, there's like rich kids of Instagram and stuff where you can see they're like spending $40 billion on like dinners you know and, and they and they they're garish and all and they they seem like they're just they're going nuts like any kid would if he had infinite resources but i have definitely run into people where in mid-conversation you think to yourself man you think you're gonna live forever don't you mm. you're just putting off being nice mm. you're putting off being kind you're going to be kind but right now you're in the part of your life where like i can take everything for granted yeah yeah, I've been around those people. I've been that person. And um, and it's just based on like a, a weird bank account balance, isn't it? Because like yeah. I know how much money I have in the bank, but nobody knows how much time you've got in your time bank. Right. You know? And some people act like yeah. they've got a million years floating around in there. And yeah. those are the ones who are cunts. But the moment that like that sort of vanishes from your mind and you realize like, oh, yeah. Not as much time as I thought, you know? Then I think at that point, like the games that you're talking about that surround all of the wonderful things, mm-hmm. yeah. essentially displays of love. Yeah, yeah. Become like a little tedious. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at, at a minimum, a little tedious. 
I, I had this idea. You and I may have talked about this before, but I did this podcast with a, an old guy. He was like 90 or something, and it was really beautiful. I had a great. It was an early one, like when I first started. And um, the next day he called me and he said, you know, I told you things that I've never told anyone. And I'm kind of concerned about that because if, you know, my family, if someone listened and, you know, and he was a therapist and it's like if a patient listened, it would mess up their therapy. I'm not asking you to destroy it, but could you just not release it while I'm alive? Wow, cool. Yeah. And I thought, my first thought was like, what a cool self-aware dude, right? Like, you know, he's 90. He knows, you know, he's not in denial about how much time he has left. And the other thing I thought was, what an interesting idea for a podcast to interview people, or I don't even like calling it an interview, but have conversations with people who are in a hospice. They're dying. They know it, right? Yeah. And the idea is, let's have this conversation. This won't be released while you're alive. Well, I think some of them will be okay with that. Yeah. Listen, man. Yeah, the, the key is to find the right people. That's a great idea. I, I was, as I was like with my father watching him go down, I was, think, I was thinking a similar idea. I, and, and it reminds me of, um, I hope I pronounce his name right, because he's got a long last name. Frank Austin Tasky. He's... As he, he works at a Zen hospice, mm. and he was at the Ram, this Ram Dass retreat that I was at, and uh, it was a really man. Their timing was perfect because, like, my dad died after this retreat, which is essentially a training for death. The whole mm. thing was about death, and he talked about how they hired this kid at the hospice, uh, and they like the kid gave all of these people who were terminal cameras. And they, and then like they had a movie night, where he had edited together all the things they'd gone out. They even had like one day to go film shit, mm. and like he made a movie night of all the stuff they'd filmed. And it was beautiful, mm. you know, because these are people who are the mm. who are on the precipice right. of this great event, and they know it, right. and they've stopped tricking themselves about it, right. and and so much of a person's life is tricking themselves. That they're not going to die. Yeah, and yeah. and and the moment you just stop playing that game with yourself, wow. Yeah, yeah. Your the windows of your soul are cleansed. I imagine. It'd be interesting to see what they photographed and you know what their attention was drawn to as they feel the time running out yeah by the way i I talk about this publicly because it's not an idea i'm trying to save for myself if anyone listening wants to do do this do it do it everyone steal it take it run with it well the i because it's like what 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 ends up here's what in with my dad what what ended up happening is uh because i was always saying dad let's do a podcast let me want to do a podcast and he'll be like let's do it a little later let's do it a little later by later he meant like closer to when i'm gonna die very private man. Had he heard the one with your, the ones with your mom? I don't know. Yeah. And so, because he had COPD, and it was late stage COPD, he became confused because you get too much CO two in your body, and that's one of the things that happens when people are dying. They just get confused. Yeah. And meaning that like there wasn't really a chance for me to do a podcast with him that wouldn't have been like kind of exploitive and right. and, and, and like wouldn't it wouldn't have been good right um but the truth is he did he didn't i don't know maybe he didn't want to do it when well, that's fine he's a private man sure 
But yeah, like anyone out there, if you have a parent, whether they're terminal or not, do the podcast, ask the questions, like get in there because like you, you'll end up with this like um, data seed that you can like go back to again mm-hmm. and again and again. You know, I what was really cool with my dad, and this, this is another thing that happened with people who were passing, is he came out of it. So like when he, he was confused, uh, but, and I think we have different views on this, when a person is dying, you see their soul, the thing behind the identity, this, they glow. There's actually a name for it. I had this guy on, um, who was an expert on near-death experiences. And I was mentioning to him how when I was volunteering at a hospice, I'd been sitting with this woman who had Alzheimer's disease, and I didn't even finish the sentence. And he's like, yeah, and it was like she was glowing. And I'm like, yes. And he's like, oh yeah, that's called light, is what it's called. And it's this, the same thing when they paint like halos around the disciples mm. and this idea of radiance or illumination or the, an illuminated being. I don't know right. what you call it. Aura. But yeah, like even though what he was saying was confused, there is this bigger thing behind it that wasn't confused and was fully there and fully sentient and fully conscious and fully like in the moment with me. And so I thought to myself, man, I love that, but I sure would like to see my dad again, you know, like just to talk yeah. to him one last time. Yeah. All of a sudden, like the day before he left, he came out of it. And he was like, Come in here, Duncan. I came in there's like, I think it's time we do the obituary. I'm like, all right, let's do it. And I got a pad and a pen and wrote it down. And then I'm like, fuck, why am I writing this? Started recording it. Thank God. Because my handwriting sucks. And now those pieces of paper, I took pictures of the pieces of paper, and now these are relics. These mm. are precious things, you know, like for, mm. for me. So you, it's so good to do that with your parents, if you can. Just grab whatever bit of, there's questions you're gonna ask, and some of them aren't gonna be like big soap opera questions. It's gonna be things like, what was your favorite food? How do you cook rice? Yeah, you know, real simple things that get lost in the uh, dissipation of their consciousness into infinity, and so you're just like, "Fuck, man! I wish I'd snatched that one." Do you ever hear the expression that we live our parents' unlived lives? No, it's cool. How does that? Do you think that applies to you? Mm. Are you like? checking some boxes your dad wished he'd been able to check oh i think so absolutely yeah absolutely and i feel him in me you know that's the other thing is like it's they're in us you know i when you're when you're if and when he will die of course at some point but when your dad dies your mom's still here so this is your first parent to pass. I'm nodding yes in both cases, yeah. So that 
statement that you, you said, it's, it's like, so there's a lot of different interpretations. One of is like, yeah, like, you know, you, you, I'm, I'm doing the things that my dad couldn't do. And that's a joy for sure. Um, but the other is when your parents pass, they don't go anywhere. And that is a thing that is hard to talk about with people whose parents are still here. Hmm. Because it's one of those things where it's like, look, I know if, I, if your parents are here and I tell you, oh, no, 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 I, I feel my, the presence of my mom sometimes. People will be like, well, I know. <laughs> <laughs> do they pat you on the head? I know you do. Yeah. She's here, isn't she? I know, I know, I know. <laughs> Go take a little nap. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So you kind of have to like save those, con- the, what, what you, the moment you, pu- you cross over and one of your parents or both of your parents pass, you enter into a club and in that club there there's conversations we have hmm. that you just if you try to have them with people who haven't had that experience you can but they're just gonna look at you like oh, they're either gonna look at you like i don't want to think about my parents dying right now thank you or they're gonna look at you like whatever hippie acid head i don't know that that's <laughs> actually like real i think you're just wanting that to be yeah and so then you just end up being like yeah you're all right i I know why you think that sounds absolutely fucking insane but so another interpretation of that saying could be that when your parents drop their body their consciousness the sentience is able to interface with your sentience from time to time in ways that are profound and that they continue to teach you Hmm. long after they've passed. And in fact, some of the teachings that they're giving you when they've passed are way bigger than the ones they taught you when you were alive. Right. It's just the way the teaching is being done is so refined that you have to be a little more quiet to hear it. Hmm. I, You know, obviously I've been thinking about all this quite a bit. My dad's been in and out of the hospital 20 times in the last year or two. I thought he was going to die seven years ago. That's why Casilda and I moved to North America because it's like, okay, dad's entering the final. Yeah. You know, he's coming in for a landing, so let's be closer to home. And yeah, uh, that was 2011, you know? Yeah. Um, So I've been thinking about this a lot and sort of preparing, preparing, preparing. And like, Jesus, it's not, it didn't, again, he's getting better again. Oh my God. So you get in this weird, weird situation where you know you don't want someone you love to die but on the other hand it's exhausting oh yeah. you want resolution you yeah. want it to be over yeah you know and there's only one way for it to be over uh so that's confusing i think i think a lot of people have trouble because they don't want to acknowledge that you know they don't want to acknowledge that look there's part of me that fucking is ready for this to be over because that just sounds so cruel and, you know, heartless. But it's not. It's human. It's the way we are. It's Welcome the to the club, Mr. Ryan. <laughs> These are the conversations. And yes, it's yeah, true. And yeah. it's not just that. There's like, don't forget there's a bunch of other levels to it, too. Yeah. It's not just as though, like, so here we have a being who, uh, the way I look at it is, uh, here we have, like, um, you see, okay, so... The, I, I love these videos, even though they're really sad because the oceans are so fucked up. 
But every once in a while you see these videos of a person freeing a whale from a fishing net. All right. The whale comes up. They, it's risky. Yeah. The animal is huge. What if right. it freaks out? But they're sentient and they know you're helping and they right. like let you do it. Right. One of them, the whale, after they free the whale, it does this dance for them. It's beautiful. It like smacking its tail and it, I mean it's like it's like yeah. saying thank you and it's exhausted and it's exhausted yeah yeah but there is a there's a connection yeah. it's not it didn't no run right and so in I think of that in terms of death and so we have these souls and these souls they get in these nets and the nets are our bodies and the bodies start breaking down and they mm. start getting tighter and tighter and tighter mm. and it's not working as well. And so now we have old age, or we have these people who are dying. They're these beautiful souls that are um, only meant to be here for a little bit of time. Yeah. In the same way, like a whale comes up for air, it's that, that thing's mostly supposed to be underwater. Mm. It just comes up for air for a second. Mm. We come up into the matter and with these little meat snorkels we call our bodies right i got a meat snorkel right here <laughs> you want to see the coral i come up with a little, a little more flowery term for it, the meat snorkel it does sound like a fucking dick but it's a fucking meat it's a it's a meat we it's a meat snorkel we come up here we're scuba diving into matter yeah in our bodies <clears throat> and then the bodies start collapsing and in the west what we do is reminds me a little bit of like you see that whale and it's above the water and you're like oh let's keep him up oh yeah shit yeah. no matter what oh, he's ra let's wrap him up more man look i mean yeah. he's getting to enjoy this the world sky yeah. yeah we can't see him if he goes down there if he swims down there we won't see the whale anymore yeah you know and so they fucking get tubes in you right. they replace your fucking organs they're fucking do you're fucking just injecting 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 and measuring and measuring and prodding and poking in the fucking hospital beds yep. and the fucking ambulances and then and, and and so any compassionate person would see this and think this is not what healing looks like right this is cruelty right exactly. this is my projection of my fear of death my projection of 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 my greed and the greed of an entire industry right being put onto a very vulnerable person exactly who just needs to be released back into infinity let him swim exactly yeah yeah so that's a i'm with you there man problematic part of the way that we view death in the west whereas you know, in India, when these things happen, because death is everywhere. Death is not a fucking like abstraction. It's not an abstraction. Yeah. It's like it's like you know, it's like a. a, a, a it's there. There's you know, you go well, you're in India. You're going to see inevitably a stretcher with a body being go, going towards a funeral pyre or the yeah. Ganges or something. Sure. If you're in Varanasi, they're everywhere. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I. I think, you know, death being everywhere, you know, we said earlier, it, it should always be over your shoulder. And, you know, I, I talk about this, like, just even in, in Spain, you go to the market in Spain, and there's like chickens, dead chickens hanging by their feet. Yeah. 
and they're chickens. Yeah. And when you buy one, they'll like take the feathers off and gut it and all that. But you'll stand there and watch them do it. Yeah. Fish, you order fish, it comes with a head and the fins and you right. eat the fish. It's a fish, the right. whole fish. That you know, the rabbits hanging by their feet, blood dripping out of their eyes. Yeah. That's at the market. Yeah. Here, it's all like hide it, hide it, hide it yeah. from the children. But then the children grow up with no understanding of what death is. So it's this imaginary monster under the bed that's you know has to be denied and ignored. I you know I've been thinking walking down the hallway. I go every day visit my dad, and it's you go down this long hallway, and you look in the the doors of the rooms. Every fucking room is somebody 70 and up, propped up in bed, like gasping for air. They're not even alive. They're zombies. They're being kept alive, as you say, with, you know, stick this in them, stick yeah. that in them, put a hose here, do that. Yeah. And, and it occurred to me the other day that that state that they're in, that sort of suspended at the threshold between life and death, that state, which, as you say, is not doing them any fucking favors, yeah. right? No one has ever been in that state until the last 50 years. No human being has ever been. No hunter-gatherer has ever been suspended in I that disagree. doorway. Spanish Inquisition. It's, it was it used to be used as a torture technique. It was death by a thousand cuts. Like oh, God. you would like take a person and you would you would you would try to like yeah. hold them in life as long so as so they you could, could suffer. They could like maximum yeah. Yeah. suffering. Yeah, levels. I didn't think of torture techniques, but you're right. That's that may be the the salient exception, you know. Yeah, that's it. Do you want to pause it until the groceries come in? Sorry. Oh, is that the groceries? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, so the um, we see this ridiculous now this ridiculous extension of life when a person is just not even there. They're not even home. Yeah, they're in like the worst hotel. Yeah, like I, I was googling like hospital decor in the West just to like confirm my theory that these are torture chambers. <laughs> for, it's like you know, it's like it's essentially it's like the last little bit of suffering that the demiurge can like whip out of humans when they're about to escape the great prison of this particular dimension and like expand into <laughs> infinity and so they've got to just get that last little bit of fucking torture out wow but um so i was looking like let me really look at hospitals because i was thinking just like what do, what do these places look like and not just the hospitals like you know I, I, hospitals shouldn't just be beautiful for the people who are in there are sick they should be beautiful for the healers who are in there like yeah, these are healing people yeah who are amazing you meet these yeah. fucking nurses man yeah these are like you said this the, you meet the healers the healers are like mystical beings generally right who are just stuck in this stupid system and they sure as fuck didn't study medicine so they could hang out with old people who were dying they i mean unless they're gerontologists but they're not saving the lives of young people they're not i mean i was thinking it's like mechanics who fix a car that's never going to go on the road again like yeah. oh let's put a new transmission in her it's just going back to the garage man yeah it doesn't need you put that new transmission in a young kid who's going to go out on the road again you know yeah and they don't they, uh, the thing is a lot of these people their their minds have been are, are gone they're not there their minds are gone right and they didn't they weren't this is the here's one real pragmatic bit of advice i could give everyone listening that i've learned watching my dad pass away don't fuck around make your will 
Yeah. Now. Oh, your dad didn't have a will? Fuck. Or, fortunately, my dad had great friends uh. who conveyed to me, and my dad had conveyed to me many, many times, I do not want to linger. I don't want to be in a hospital. Oh, I don't right. want to be intubated. Right. They're all over his house. You know, Hunter S. Thompson had a, had a poster right next to his uh, typewriter, computer, I think it was a typewriter, that said, do not call 911. Which is, if you find me in here dead, don't try to fucking resuscitate me, asshole. Which, Let me which die. Which his son did. What? His son, well, that's, that's exactly where he shot himself, right? At that desk. Yeah. And, and so my dad had all over the house, uh, for hospice emergencies, call Southern Care Hospice, which is the hospice that took care of him. So that means if I'm having a heart attack, call the hospice. Mm. Don't call the ambulance. Right. I don't want to fucking go to the hospital anymore. And he right. told, he told um, uh, one of his friends, Terry, uh, the, one of the nurses that took care of him uh, when he was dying, he had said to her when he was in the hospital, he's like, that's the last time I'm going to the hospital. I'm never going to go to the hospital again. And he looked me right in the eye the last time I visited him. Because the last time I visited him, I realized, oh, fuck, you got COPD. You can't breathe that well. You're on a second floor apartment. And I did the first, I panicked. And so this is a thing that people, we do when we love someone and we don't realize that we're removing their autonomy. Mm. So we panic and we, mm. try to, we, we, we try to, quote, help them. Yeah. But we're not really helping them. Mm. We're trying to ease our own minds. Right. We're trying to make ourselves the hero of their death story. We're trying to like swoop in and, and, and control and adjust, yeah. right? And it's a natural instinct. So I was in my dad's place, and I'm like, no, no, no. Dad, you need to be on a ground floor apartment. You have, how are you going to get up and down the stairs? You have, you're on oxygen. So, you know, without consulting him, this is the, if, in his transition process, I consider this to, thank God, I, only because I made a bunch of mistakes with my mom that I regret. This is one of the first and only mistakes I made, which is that without really talking to him, I called the apartment complex. Is there a ground floor apartment available? Okay, I'm going to move my dad into it. As soon as that thing's available, we're going to move all his stuff. I had a plan. I was going to tell him we're going to take you to this nice hotel. You won't even have to be there, Dad. We're just going to move all your stuff downstairs. It'll just be the same apartment. You won't even know. And he's sitting across from me, man. My dad was sharp as a tack. Powerful, man. And he's sitting across from me. He looked me right in the eye. And he's like, Duncan, I want you to know that this is the apartment that I'm going to die in. I'm not gonna move. I'm not gonna move again in my life. I don't wanna move. I appreciate your help, but I'm not leaving this apartment. And the look in his eye was, be my ally here. Yeah. I'm dying. Right. Don't make me wrestle you on this. Mm. Don't be don't do that to me. I'm dying. Let's just be together and surrender to this event that is coming. Yeah. Which is what I did. And from yeah. then on I was just an ally. And the hospice, hospice is like that too. So hospice is like, if there were other people who were like, we should get him into a home, hospice is like, nope. As long as his mind is there, he's staying here. Mm. As long as there's money to pay for the aid he needs, which I had, thank God, he's staying here. He wants to die in the apartment with his dog. He's gonna die in the apartment with his dog. So that's what happened. And- um, How'd you kill the dog? With a butcher knife. Yeah, that's quick. Well, I killed them both simultaneously. Bury them together. What? Do you bury them together? Immolation set the apartment complex on fire. <laughs> Check the news. 
Funeral pyre. How Nordic, dare we joke about Nordic this? Nordic style. <laughs> yeah. Floating. Oh, nice. Get the whole apartment floating. <laughs> Flood it first, then light it on fire. <laughs> well, that is what we did. We sealed up the windows. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we had some plumbers come in and make sure that water couldn't get out yeah. of anywhere in the apartment. And then we just turned the bathtub on. And yeah. I left, came back the next morning, and it was an aquarium with a, <laughs> with a dog. <laughs> yeah my dad's got a dog that's ready to go i don't know how that's gonna work out i mean it would be nice if they if they went together because the dog's disgusting it's a horrible creature what do you mean oh yeah i don't want to talk about it. it's got like open sores and it's okay. half blind and it's just... this is a thing matt this is the problem and i don't know if your dad is doing this or who's doing this or what's happening but I have noticed that there appears to be, you know, I was like, I'm making them, I was making the memorial for, I'm not going to this year's Burning Man, but I was making the, something for the temple for Mm, my dad. Very important to do that, to make a memorial, not Mm. to do it at Burning Man, but like all the rituals around death, which I want to talk to you about in a second. Yeah. uh, They're, they're good. Mm. It's don't let the Western world trick you into thinking that this is just another day at the office. It Mm -hmm. is not another day at the office there there is ritual that needs to be done and so i was making this uh, uh memorial for my dad and i i'm you know he liked robert service so i was trying to find like a cool robert service quote to put in there and uh i stumbled upon that poem i can't remember who writes it but it's something like do not go softly into that night still in thomas yeah yeah uh, uh yeah do not go Just gently into gently. that good night rage rage against the rage, dying of the light rage against the dying of the light. it's like fuck you dylan <laughs> thomas take that tube out of your dad's asshole and let him fucking die i've thought about that a lot in the last few weeks that and i it's the only poem by dylan thomas i i know and i think about it a lot rage yeah. <laughs> And he wrote it to his father, right, when he was dying. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. But I've had the same reaction you've had. When I was young, I, I used to think, like, yeah, that's, you know, yeah, like, fight it, fight it. And now I'm like, yeah, don't fight it. Let's just go. Go with it. Be cool. You know, Aubrey's just had this traffic accident. I know. Did you see he posted something on Instagram yesterday? Um He's sitting there, and his face is pretty messed up, but he's, yeah. like, dressed nice. He has a hat on. Yeah. And it's this whole, he says, uh, you know, a bunch of um, cosmetic surgeons have said to me, like, hey, we can put you back just yeah. the way you were. And he's like, I don't know. I'm, I kind of like the scars. I, I'm kind of yeah. good with the way it is. And I read that, and, you know, some people might who don't know Aubrey might think that's bravado or whatever. I, I don't. I think he's that cool and that together. But when I read it, you know, the... I just had dinner with him two weeks ago, and we had a really good, good night together, you know. And I feel I'm I'm old enough. I'm you know 20 years older than him probably. That that there's a little bit of like a father son kind of energy yeah. there. And when I read that, I thought, good for you, buddy, because you're gonna you're gonna know how to age. Yeah. Because aging is letting shit go. That's right. And you see all these angry old men 
because they don't know how to let it go. That's right. Or angry old women who don't know how to let it go. Like, yeah, you were, you were gorgeous when you were 22. Let it go, you know? You were a fashion model. You were rich. You were powerful. You could, like, fucking run up mountains. Let it go. And also, might have just said, I, and I won't mention her name, but there is a woman I know. I believe she's, like, 78. And she has an old body. But she is one of the sexiest oh, yeah. women I have ever met in my life. Yeah. And her soul radiates out of her and her like complete like uh, lack of resistance to mm. the you know the, the aging process yeah. that that's happening. It's like so powerfully yeah. beautiful. Grace is fucking beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And this is not saying let go like health. I'm not saying sit on the sofa and eat fucking ice cream. Like, yeah. you spent much time in France? Oh, I wish I'd spent more. Only one, I've only been there once. Well, next time you go to France, like, especially in Paris, one of the most striking things for me, and, and Spain as well, but France even more, is that women don't feel a diminishment of their own beauty as they age. So you see women walking down the street, 50, 60, 70, whatever, they're sexy. They know they're sexy. They feel sexy. They feel beautiful. They feel feminine. It's not like in America where if you're over 30, it's gone. It's over. Forget it. You know, you're invisible. There's this sense of, of sexuality and sexual energy transcending young voluptuous you know that stage of life that's what people like me call the soul yeah it's not sexual energy it's the it's the it's literally what i I think the soul is sexy man i think that it's erotic to me it is anyway i mean it's the progenitive it's spark it's life it's the yeah yeah yeah. it's curiosity and and the wonderment and you know all those pleasure i mean those that's life yeah Absolutely, yeah. it, it is, yeah. and, and 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 losing track with that thing that you just said is the cause of so much unnecessary suffering for people yeah. who feel like the adjustments that they need to make that are cosmetic. I really like the way the Hare Krishnas put it: is like imagine a golden bird cage, and inside the bird cage is a canary, and the owner of this poor canary begins to spend more attention on, on the birdcage than the canary. So instead of feeding the canary, the owner's like polishing that gold. Mm. Oh shit, let me see, let's add some jewels to the gold. Meanwhile, that canary is starving to death. Mm. And, and, and that is the one of the many great examples given for materialism, which is that we have this body, that's, that's, it's just a bag of guts <laughs> it's a bag of like you know fuck yeah. like if somebody took us and divided i mean if you've ever been to any hunting camp yeah and seen like the buckets where the entrails are yeah. and you see a deer get converted into like its individual components that is not a very beautiful thing to see and and, and then the same is true for a human what we what we are composed of if we bring this all out and we've got like every single person right now has got like carrying around some nice fucking 
pre-turds, some form turds. We've got some food sizzling around in yeah, there. Gastric, gastric acids. shit and weird squirts and sprays and like just just the whole thing is this gooey, bubbly, blistery. <laughs> but it's but but it's but it's beautiful. But it looks good in a bikini. It sure does until until. The thing illuminating it from the within is not there anymore. Yeah. Or you're a fucking necrophiliac. You yeah. You know what I mean? Because it's like, yeah, you take a beautiful woman in a bikini who's alive versus a beautiful woman in a bikini who's dead, mm. right? And my feeling is that for the majority of people, not all, unfortunately, <laughs> but for the majority of people, yeah. they're 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 gonna think. The living one is incredibly beautiful. Mm. There's something there. Yeah. That radiant thing is the soul. And that is what we are. That's what we are. But we inhabit these bodies. And the bodies are confusing. Because we the bodies are designed to function in matter. This is a, We're in matter. We're heavy. We're dense. This is matter. People are obsessed with matter in the West. They're into their cars, their houses, their clothes, their homes. Right? And, and as a byproduct of that, they are obsessed with keeping the fucking body vehicle alive for as long as they possibly can. They're like Cuba. You know, Cuba didn't mean to do that, but you look over at Cuba, they're having to just fix cars from the 40s, right? Because of the goddamn... Mm. The, the the ban, yeah, you know, like yeah, the embargo. The embargo. If those Cubans could, they would like get rid of those cars and get new cars. But we've got these fucking withered, pain stricken, opiated, foggy, fuzzy, senile millionaires, billionaires, insured people whose bodies are melting down and all they gotta do is let go. And they're going to be, well, as Ramdas says, it's like taking off a shoe that's too tight. Mm. Release. Let's you grow. Freedom. Yeah. You're like free. You don't have to be in that net. Uh, you know, what? It's, there's something sad about a person seeing a whale that's stuck in fishing net and then adding more fishing net. But how much more tragic would it be if you realized that the whale itself was trying to keep itself wrapped up in fishing net because mm. it was terrified of going down into the ocean that would be a very sad scene pay your surgeon very well to break the spell of aging oh my god red hot chili peppers yeah californication baby yeah talking about rituals uh, a couple weeks ago uh well you know i just got back cassie and i took the van out for three weeks yes colorado i follow your insta do you follow my insta you don't like enough of my photos i don't like i i don't like why don't you I don't like your photos. photos. <laughs> <laughs> I hate them. I fucking hate them. I, I, there should be a hate button. I've been writing. At least then I'd know you were yeah. watching. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we went to this place called Crestone, uh, which is the only town. It's a tiny little town, a couple hundred people. Uh, and it's the only place in the United States that is licensed to do open air cremation. Oh, cool. And we attended one. Cool. It was really interesting, and and I did a podcast with the guy who started the the whole thing. He'd been cool. doing it like gorilla cremations, and then they finally decided. Where did he get all the gorillas? <laughs> Sorry, and, and it's hard to light them up. You know, it's hard to it's keep hard a gorilla burning. <laughs> hard to catch them. Hard to... You know, the first part is catching them. After yeah, that, it's downhill. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, but it was very interesting to. 
you know, I had seen that in India. I was in Varanasi and yeah, I saw sure. that. But to attend the ceremony, the family speaking, you know, the children of this woman were speaking while her body was burning, wow. while the flames are consuming her body. That's awesome. And, you know, friends coming up and talking. And, man, it was fucking beautiful. It yeah. really was. And I talked to some people about it and, you know, why? What's the attraction? And what they said was, like, it's over. When that fire goes out, it's over. It's yeah. there's nothing left. It's gone. That the whole thing, there's a finality to it, ashes to ashes, right? Dust, dust to, to dust. dust. And again, you know, you and I are talking about the the injections and the, the infusions and the catheters and this and that. But then even after the person dies, we go on with it. The formaldehyde, the stainless steel hermetically sealed caskets, the granite tombstones, which will never degrade. They'll be there so for I, a million so years. Somebody tell me in Alabama, I don't know if this is true or not, that there are, if you take your... Uh you're, if you take a corpse to a funeral home there, they'll tell you it's Alabama law. I don't know if this is true. Who's telling me? I've heard a lot of shit over the last few weeks. Cause as my, you're, when your parents die, you're a lot of stuff. And one of the creepiest ones was they'll tell you that according to Alabama law, you have to put formaldehyde into the body, even if you're cremating it. And it's not true. It's not true. They just want to charge you for it? Oh, yeah, they just want to make more money. You know Caitlin Doty? You ever no. have her on your podcast? I don't think no. You should you should talk to her. She's she's um, the hip mortician. She oh, has cool. a YouTube channel and she wrote a book called um, "Smoke It's in Your Eyes" about her time working wow. in a mortuary. Wow. She's cool. She lives That's here cool. in L.A. Um, she told me that the whole formaldehyde thing started in the Civil War because these farm boys would die on a battlefield in Virginia and they needed to get the body back to PA or whatever and there's no refrigeration so that's when they did this all. so it's a totally american thing only happens here well in egypt well mummification right i mean but just the the weird desire there's two things okay so it's like i who's the, who what, who's the guy rogan always quotes who says Machines, where the sex organs of the machine were. Marshall McLuhan. Okay, yeah, Marshall McLuhan. I had this great Marshall McLuhan book, and you know he does advertisements. He takes advertisements and deconstructs them. In yeah. His book. So there's an advertisement for a coffin or crypt, and he was like, you know, pointing out how this advertisement, like, what it, you know, what it's saying versus what it's saying, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. The same. What it's saying is this is a nice coffin, but what's really saying is. It's basically like a house yeah. for your loved one. Yeah. They're going to be able to like hang out down here. They'll yeah. be dry. It says it's waterproof. Waterproof. Water's not going to get in there. That's important. They're going to be dry and warm. I think there was like insulated or something. There's just this insane series of things that would only matter if you were alive. Yeah. Right? I was just watching Poltergeist. Um, and in the very beginning of Poltergeist, spoiler alert, the little girl poor little girl who died of a heart attack at a very young age, the actress, she, her canary dies. Her, or it's not a canary, it's a, I don't know what it is. But I think it maybe was a canary. Canary in the coal mine, you know, it's like a good foreshadowing thing that Spielberg threw in there. But like, her mom's about to flush the canary down the toilet. And Karen Ann walks in, cut to the next scene. There's a cigar box that they've opened up. 
they're putting the canary in the cigar box and she's giving the canary little things like, and this will keep you warm. And this is for when you miss us. And this is for when you miss Right? And the mom is just like going along with it. It's a little girl. And they bury the fucking cigar box, right? But I love it because Spielberg is sort of like, to me, that was a big jab at like the whole funeral industry. Yeah. Because it's just like, come on, man. Yeah. Come on. Let's get real. And then also within a few scenes, for whatever, they're digging up their backyard for a swimming pool. And you see the canary box just kind of like being like <laughs> dug up in the back. It's like out of the ground yeah. within like days, yeah. right? Which is another thing, which is like you, you fucking weirdos with your little like dirt ships that you call coffins. Yeah. Like thinking like, how long are you going to be in there in that little plot of ground? What do you think? A hundred years? A thousand years? How long is it before the great shifts that happen are yeah. going to push those coffins up and out when like... Uh, the Hurricane Katrina hit. Their oh, coffins yeah. floating, floating down, down the floating down the fucking street, yeah, man. Yeah. It's just all this whole thing of like, I'm the seed. Yeah. Plant me in a house in wood. What is that? What is that? The very first things the, the first thing the Hare Krishnas will teach you is you are not your body. Mm. You have identified with your body. That's a normal thing to do. Why wouldn't you? But here is a process through which you can begin to yeah. understand that that thing that you think you are, that's just a window, a lens, a vehicle, a vehicle whatever yeah. you want to use. Yeah. So what's, do you have, I mean, I know you've studied lots of different spiritual traditions and now you've experienced the death of both your parents. And do you have, have you settled on a model that makes sense to you for what happens before afterlife i mean presumably it strikes me as funny that everyone's so worried about you know everyone's dragging their heels worried about what happens when they die but nobody's yeah. freaked out about where they were before they were born which appears to be the same place right yeah. or non-place or whatever yeah yeah like do you have you do, do you have a metaphor or do you have um, a belief structure yeah yeah, I do. I the um, as I've been taught and and in my experience, both through like being around dying parents and psychedelics, um, is that so? Okay, so like I was talking to a friend of mine, and he was talking about the other the other side. That's one thing people say. The other side. Yeah. He's, uh, in fact, that's one of the greatest moments in the Jim Jones suicide recording. If you've ever listened to the recording of Jim. Have, yeah. Mothers, 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 stop your children from crying. They're merely stepping over to the other side, right? That's a very human thing to do. Because now we've got like a place. Hmm. Heaven, right. earth, hell, that kind of stuff. You know, we've got some kind of GPS coordinates now and all kinds of shit that we can project our experience of being embodied in in living in a three-dimensional world onto what I think is timelessness. So, and it doesn't really work. The two don't mix very well together. So, um, that as I've been taught, we exist on levels all simultaneously, right? So, one level, it's personality, ego identity, 
and the, all, the sh- all the stuff we do, the games that we play with each other. And everyone's playing games. Even if you're trying to not play a game, that's another game. If you're in the body, you're going to be playing a game. Mm. You know, whether you like it or not. It's just like, you know, be, be, body language is a game. All of it. It's just like, a, you're nodding. I'm mm. talking. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, every time you nod, you're giving me a token. And every time I like, I like respond to you, if you look perplexed and I try to explain it, like I'm giving you a token to show right. you I'm listening. We're playing the listening talking game. And we're ex- but, but does game imply a lack of um, sincerity? Absolutely not. Oh, okay. No, right. it's, it's just game theory. So it's not know? like a head game. It's just an interaction. Game, it's, it's actually called game theory. Have you ever heard that before? Sure, game sure. theories? It's yeah. game theory. No, it's, it's, it's war is a game. Death is a game. All of it's a game. It's, just, it's a game. The whole thing, it's a game in the sense that these are like, there are rules and you can break the rules. Like, for example, like right now, if I uh, grabbed your brand new microphone stand and broke it. I would break a pretty pretty intense rule of the game, which is like, it would be weird. Like, why are you breaking my property, man? Like, I'd, I'd fuck up the, the game. I would lose the game here. You know, like, and there's a goal. We have a shared goal in this, which is like, we want to connect. And, we, and we're like forming ideas. And so you don't want to get too much into it because you'll lose the flow of the your own existence in your life. And a lot of pickup artists get so trapped in that kind of, deep analysis of human interaction based Mm. on wanting to fuck that they end up like falling all over themselves and zombifying themselves because they get so deeply wrapped up into uh, neuro-linguistic programming Mm. and game theory and all that stuff that they just end up like being lost but as a, a methodology for understanding like the way the ego presents itself or the identity presents itself into time it's a game you're playing a game you're playing different games with different people i'm playing the game of son to 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 dying father i'm playing the game of husband to beautiful pregnant wife i'm playing the game of podcaster this is all just my ego identity and so that's one level um in this part of the of the of the game and this level of things there's a you and there's a me there's a i'm not you and you're not me you're chris ryan i'm duncan trussell and MD. we're separate uh, reverend duncan trussell. reverend, reverend. <laughs> so then there's then there's the soul level right and and so now that's where the ego is pretty just not even there anymore hmm. this is the radiance behind the lantern this is the light behind the stand. that's love that's love right there and is that still duncan or is that undifferentiated that's what duncan comes from that's the fountainhead of duncan that's, that's the fountainhead from. of chris Ryan. right okay you know yeah. and, and yeah. that that's the general field that's the general field right because like if you've got a great friend and you're talking to them you begin to realize in the way like earlier when we're talking about how you get roasted and there's love behind it right you realize like oh wait every single word that you're giving me it's just an envelope that you're putting little uh bits of love inside and sending it through words yeah so it really doesn't really matter what you're saying right because there's just love in there and that's the soul that's the way the soul and the way the sun produces photons the soul is like using sound to like transmit itself into Mm. uh, another person who feels it and that's why when someone loves you versus someone who doesn't love you you know and someone who loves you could be like fuck you you know and somebody's like on the ego level could be like fuck you those are gonna feel like two completely different fuck yous underneath it all though soul love I true identity and then 
you could say that there is a point of non-duality where all of these sort of merge into this one oneness mm. oneness and you hear these stories go into the light yeah all these things um this idea of sort of abandoning the leela of constant birth and death you know which is like at some point the game we keep playing which is to like to come up out of the water and look around in the form of a life and then go back down into the water when we die apparently at some point if you want to you don't have to keep doing that Hmm. that's ultimate graduation right but we really like it. So this is sort of a Hindu or, or Buddhist conception of yeah. re- reincarnation until you work it all out and then you move move out of this. Yeah. This yeah. yeah. Until you work yeah. it all out. And and the human identity is a really like lovely place to be because we aren't so uh, instinctual. Hmm. You know, like animals are very instinctual. You, you, like my my sweet dogs you know if one i've learned it now thank god i don't know i'm so dumb that it took me this long to figure it out but like dogs respond to dog piss the way humans respond to yawns only they respond to it with more piss you know <laughs> dog can't help it yeah it smells the piss it's gonna yawn it's gonna do a piss yawn right. basically right it's in, it's it's, it's, it's instinct it can't help it yeah it doesn't yeah. know it's, it's literally just like i can't if you yawn and i yawn i can't help it just yeah. it's i have automatic that's instinct right and so animals are like they're really programmed like hmm. that buzzer goes off these poor little sweeties, man, it's apocalypse now for a few <laughs> seconds, right? They're like, they gotta protect the fucking house. The fuck is coming? So, two seconds later, they're snoozing on the couch. Like, yeah. Nothing ever happened, right? Yeah, yeah. Instinct. So that's the animal realm. Right. Right. And so they're all instinct. And then we've got the human realm. That's what you and I are in. And that's a very great incarnation to take. Mm. Because in the human realm, we still have instincts. We still have a lot of instincts. And yet, we have the ability to do this thing we're doing right now. Mm, it's transitional. Yeah, it's yeah. transitional. And when that fucking buzzer goes, guaranteed, we're not going to be like, wow, holy fucking shit, holy fucking the fuck is that? You know, we, we can Apologies to those of you listening Sorry, with headphones. Guys. Sorry. <laughs> so that's, the, that's the human realm. That yeah. So anyway, yeah. the model is based on these things that I have read but more now based on the experience of being around dying people right. and getting that wonder, wonderful chance to watch what they really are begin to free itself from what they thought they were mm. and to begin to see that, that's the mm, thing. You'll that's see. interesting. Woo. Yeah. That. Yeah. Oh. That's Which is something that people don't have a chance to do who die suddenly or violently. Which is maybe why, according to some of the research I've read, those people are more likely to be um, reincarnated quickly. You know, about this research of kids who remember past yeah. lives and then they track down. It's almost always the person who died, died violently in an accident or murder or uh. something. So they didn't have a chance to disassociate the soul from the vehicle or whatever it was. So they, they reincarnate Jump back really in quickly. Real yeah. You know, I don't know, like the, the way Ramdas describes it, there's like, it's pretty, it's, it's beautiful. And it's like, you know, I, 
I, I, he has many great data streams. You know, my feeling with it is like one thing I, I feel certain of is there isn't time there. So even though we might have this reincarnated child and we might be able to trace the reincarnated child back to some mm. tragic death at some point, I still think the place that they go to is timeless. And, right. and, 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 um, cause this is the thing of, with when your parents pass, uh, and you suddenly begin to realize like, wait a minute, no, they're here with me. Like not bullshit here with me. Like I, I'm feeling them. They're guiding me. They're coming to me in my dreams. There's like, they're here. I feel it. And then if you believe in reincarnation, you think, well, wait a minute, aren't they going to reincarnate? Yeah. And then you realize, oh, fuck, I'm trying to apply the time-space continuum to right. them. Right, Because this thing we're in right now, man, this is a flicker of a, a gnat's eyelash. Yeah. And, and that place that we're going to, there's no time there. And so the way it's been described to me, which I can only say it's been described because I certainly haven't experienced is it's like we're hanging out here in the same way if you and I had just done intermuscular ketamine and we're laying on the floor together looking at some vast landscape populated by what appears to be an infinite spiraling, ever-increasing flower made of pagodas that seem to be inhabited by sentient elf beings, right? We might think in that moment that visionary moment that we were in that place but the reality is that simultaneously we were lying on my fucking floor having a sort of communal visionary moment yeah but the two things were happening at once right similarly when we're in the human incarnation we are with our parents and our ancestors and our future selves and all the great beings it's timeless but right now the game is the big game the leela is we've decided to put on these fucking outfits and parade around in matter for a little while it's a, it's a in 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 it's you know maybe a better word for it is as uh, a university it's learning we're learning a universe it mm. You know? Yeah, yeah, we're learning. Have you and I spoken about a book called Finite and Infinite Games? Yes, yes. Have absolutely. you read it? I, no, Chris, this is when I realized how much smarter you are than me. I bought, I ordered the book, got like three pages into it, and I, I couldn't get wrap my brain around it, man. I started mm -hmm. getting lost in the beginning descriptions of it, you know? Huh. Maybe that was back when I was like eating too much Distracted. weed or something. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'll revisit it. Yeah, check it out. Because you're, I mean, you're you're very much thinking along those lines. I couldn't get through the fifth page. I was like, God damn it, he really is a fucking doctor. That's <laughs> <laughs> what happens when you read book recommendations. Ah, come on. No, that you're just distracted by something. It's Probably. it's not complicated. I, I mean, basically, it. he's saying like, you know, you, you laid it out. It's like these interactions are can be seen as games and there are two kinds of games there are finite games which are games that are played on a on a demarcated field of play yes they have teams people know which team they're on yes uh one side's trying to win sure 
Uh, well, both sides are trying to win, but yeah. somebody's gonna win. Yeah. There's a certain amount of time. The game yeah. ends, right? Yeah. So they're all, and then there are infinite games where the, the 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 field of play goes wherever it goes. There is no winner. The purpose is not to win. The purpose is to keep playing. And so mm. you sort of look at your life and you say, okay. So so many people are treating their relationships as finite games. I'm going to win. I'm smarter than you. I'm right. I'm right. Whereas the purpose, no, is to keep playing. It's not to be right. It's not to win. You don't win. You win an argument with your wife. You didn't win shit, man. You you just, you know, perpetuated a problem. The point isn't to win. The point is to keep playing. And so it's like. That's it. I mean, that's that's all the book is about, really. Well, you should rewrite it for Dum Dum. You, <laughs> you should do finite and infinite games for dummies. Because the way you just described it makes a lot of sense. And then I, and I, and I, uh, I, I love that. You know, yeah. I, I would just add to it. It's like, no, I, I think the point of the game is not to keep playing. The point of the game is to keep loving. Yeah. To keep, sure. Keep, you know, to sure. keep it helping. Yeah. And, um, and, and the, like, what, so, so. When our parents are dying, what ends up happening is like these beings who brought us into the universe, we get to help them leave the universe. And it's very beautiful. It's like they, they bought the ticket for us and mm. they got us in, into, the, into, the, into the game, mm. right? And now they've graduated and you get to walk them down the aisle to the greatest marriage ceremony of all time, which is like the the re um, the the convergence mm. of that soul with the source, and, right. and you get to be the the you, the family gets to be with this being and say it's okay. I like that to think of death as a graduation ceremony. That's an interesting. It is. Yeah, it's a graduation, cool. and this is like I, I love like being friends with so many like you know uh, just just I love being friends with people in the psychedelic community and the spiritual community because you know I've been getting all these different calls because my dad died and I got a call from this guy Bobcat who's just this like man he's just this he's like uh, Bobcat the- Bobcat not the comedian yeah but he he he's like. Uh, He's just like a very interesting, very intelligent, very, very smart psychonaut who he stays more in the background. I hope mentioning him isn't inappropriate, but he gave me a call and, uh, you know, he's the kind of person like you meet and you're like, oh, I'll be friends with you forever. But then like, maybe you'll hear from him, you know, every once in a while, but when yeah. you hear from him, it's awesome. And, uh, he gave me a call and he was like, he said something like, how was your father's graduation? And it was real. He, because he understands right. this thing that we're in, and it was real. The question wasn't bullshit. Like, oh, I'll make you feel better. It's like, how? It was a great graduate. He graduated. Yeah. It was a celebration. He did it. He dropped his body. He didn't suffer that long. He let go. He let go sooner than they expected him to. I was able to sit with him and say, Dad, I'm gonna be okay. Yeah. You can go now. You can go. I love you. You can go. And he looked at me and he's like, Okay. And it was like, all right, man, you got that one, you got it. And it was, it was mm. really beautiful. And people need to do that with their parents. Yeah. You know, if, if someone is dying, don't do that thing that people do, which is, don't leave me. 
don't do that. Yeah. Don't do that. Don't dump your shit on them. Yeah, man. Let yeah. them go. Let them go. Get the what? Let's get that fucking. Get those tubes and cords and get those things that are binding them to this very temporary transient vacation here in Matterland. Let's get it off of them so that they can go and prepare a place for us when we go back down. And that's what they're doing. And, and, And that's why when our parents pass, we feel them. In the same way I fantasize that my little boy feels me mm. when I put my hand on my wife's pregnant stomach and whisper to him and say, your daddy's here, your daddy's here. What a time for you, man. What a pivotal like yeah. moment in your life. It's just, you know, I was going to ask you about that, how, how, you know, these, it's like the coming and the going, the, the movement is yeah. coming at you and going like every direction. Yeah. It's all happening yeah. for you right now. Yeah. And you moved your house. And I mean, it's like, yeah. this just the transition couldn't be more complete. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful. You know, I think something you understand, I think you've always understood and, and I understand, and I don't know how many people do, but, um, how can I say this? That, like, I I never get really sad mm. because even when things are really shitty, I feel like. How can I say this? It's like intensity of experience is valuable. Yes. Whether it's good or bad. Yes. Yes. It's the depth of the experience. It's great is I'm alive. Yes. This is wild. I'm alive. Yes. Even if it's like, fuck, I'm, I'm going to prison. Or like, right. I, might, I might be about to have my ass kicked. Or, right. you know, someone I thought loved me doesn't love me. And, and I'm rejected and alone. Right. But fuck, I'm alive. Yeah. I'm not just bored, you know, stumbling through it. Yeah. I don't know. Again, I think it's one of those things that maybe people feel guilty about that something feels good about this. Like when I've uh, broken up with, with women I've loved and it's like, yeah. you know, finally it's like, okay, this is over. Yeah. I've even like, maybe I'm a psychopath, but I've had like, like I'm in the middle of a really hard, dark, difficult argument or conversation really. I, I, it's, I'm fighting not to smile. Yeah. Do you ever get that? Sure. <laughs> What is that? Because I'm not happy. I'm not happy. It's the soul, Chris. But there's something in me that just wants to smile like, wow, even this is... No, the it's, soul. Yeah. The soul is, is like, it doesn't get touched by this stuff. Like, this material world is all about, like, affecting and change. And the soul doesn't get affected in that way. It's like, it doesn't, this, it does, it's dark matter. Yeah. It doesn't interact with this stuff. And, then, and when you're connecting to that, then no matter how high the drama may be if you're connected to this transcendent innately radiant love field that is generating your body and personality instead of just the body then you can smile yeah and that smile isn't going to be a smile of someone trying to hurt someone by pretending they're flippant yeah it's going to be an actual smile coming from the soul and sometimes that's all it takes to bring peace into a situation. Yeah. That's all it takes. It's, it, wanna know what that looks like? Look at a baby. 
smiling. That's right. all soul right there. Right. That's what it looks like right there. But I want to tell you one thing real quick. I don't Please. know how much. So how much time? It's a fucking podcast, man. I don't know how long your cast is, man. No, as long as you want it to be. So, so this is a thing to that I did not prepare myself for. Yeah, and I should have, and I didn't. I don't know why I didn't. Thank Christ, I've got a good therapist right now. I um. So, you know, my dad's dying. I get out there, take care of all this shit. Still taking care of a little bit of it. Bureaucracy. Yeah. And then somehow, I don't know what I was thinking, but I was thinking like, oh yeah, when I get back to LA, I'm going to like, well, the new God of War expansion's out and I've got some great podcasts that are coming up, some meetings. And and, And Aaron's friend, Haygood, was in town. So like, yeah. So I'm like telling Aaron like, oh yeah, let's all, uh, on Sunday, I was like, let's all go to a movie. We'll go to, like, see The Meg at, I, at IPEC, which is a fancy theater in Pasadena. It's nice. And um, our friend JP was gonna came over, and we're all going to go. So before that, thinking, like, fuck, man, I just went through this thing with my dad. Helped him die. Aaron, like, gets scheduled a massage for me. He deserves a massage. You should get a massage. So I went and get this massage. And I'm laying on the massage table. This fucking I can never remember his name. Is it Vodaspot? If you're in LA, man, this guy will heal your back. It's either Moses or Noah. I'm sorry I can't remember which. It's a biblical name, that's how I remember. If you call them and say it's Moses, they'll be like, you mean Noah? <laughs> or if you say Noah, they'll be like, You mean Moses? I don't remember which. Because they only have one biblically name. One biblical. I'm I'm I'd like the biblical the old testament massage. He does shiatsu. A shiatsu. And he's healed my back many times. So I get there. And I'm like laying with my head down on the massage table. And I don't know, man. I, I didn't, it's just like grief, man. I hadn't even like contemplated mm. the grief. Because I've been so busy. Flights and mm. health care and dealing with, you know, his friends and dealing with him and dealing with his dog and dealing with his. So I'm laying with my head on the massage table. And like I start doing like weird crying. Like not like shuddering crying, but like my eyes just start going bloop, bloop. Bloop. I'm like, that's weird. That doesn't even feel like I'm crying right now. And then my legs start cramping in this weird way. And then I'm like, it's like all the grief was hiding in my body. And mm. then and then uh my masseuse was like, he's like, your nerves are shot. And I'm like, yeah, fuck. I had to stop the massage. I went out, it's this cool spot, it's cool. I went out and I was like, I'm gonna go sit in the hot tub, but I'm like feeling real weird and foggy. And I'm like, wait, it's like I'm wrapped in cellophane right now. Like, Mm. I don't feel anything right now. Like I'm not touching reality right now. And then I got the Uber, got back home and I told them, I'm like, I don't think I can go to the movie at all. And then I freaked the fuck out. I was like, I gotta go to a hotel. Like a dog climbing under a porch. And I went to the fucking standard hotel downtown. I always end up in a hotel when a parent dies. And bam. Man, it hit me like a fucking ton of bricks. I just started sobbing and sobbing and sobbing and sobbing. And then I remembered grief. Oh, fuck. Grief. 
it's real. It's not like other sadness. Mm. It's not like anything. It's in your body. Mm. And it's got a pattern. It's biological. It's got to be. People have been burying their parents for millennia. It's built into how do we deal with all the energy of the stress of this event? How do we fucking deal with it? It's, it's in us. It's like a day. I was telling my friend, it reminds me of like, um, uh, it reminds me of um, uh, a, a dam. Uh, like when you're like a dam output, you know, outflow mm-hmm. valve on a dam when it floods. Right. And you have to start releasing. Um, the overflow. Yeah, you have to start releasing the overflow. But your body's knowing when to do that and when not to for some reason. So like, like today, I've had a great day, Chris. I feel pretty good. You know, I still feel heavy. My body feels heavy, but I feel pretty fucking good, right? But I know that at some point, I don't know when, I don't know what time, I'm going to start sobbing. Hmm. And that's grief. And you can't do anything about it. It's fucking inconvenient. <laughs> to put it mildly. <laughs> so you need to make sure that you're around people yeah. who understand that. Yeah. Who, but who really understand it, not bullshit understand it. Right. Because it's the flu. Yeah. This isn't like you're sad. This is the flu. And um, it doesn't matter what you think. I, the hubris yeah. that I had to think, oh, just get back. I think I was talking to somebody and they're like, well, Duncan, you know, you're spiritual. So maybe your spiritual work is in some way like, you know, eased the process. Nope. It was just my body was like, let's get him back in LA hmm. where he's got, you know, a hole he can climb into. Right. And so my therapist was telling me that the way that, and I'll shut up this, like, I'm just like, if your father should pass, I would like to pass on what my therapist was telling me about how, how Jews do it. Do you know that already? How they do it? I know they bury the body within 24 hours. They bury the body within 24 hours. And then for seven days, they don't leave the house. Oh, is it sitting Shiva? That's what they call it. Yeah. I always thought, what does that mean? They're sitting all day. It sounds Mm -hmm. awful. I don't want to sit all day. It's not like that. But they're, but they put, they cover the mirrors. Right. Brilliant. Right. You don't have to look at your fucking, you see my grief beard right now. Am I a fucking like, I'm all scraggly and shit. I was going to say, I like your beard this way. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, But you know, at some point you look in, in the mirror when you're grieving and you, you, you're like, you don't want to look at yourself. They yeah. cover their mirrors. Yeah. And maybe there's another thing in there too of doing that, which is like, take yourself out of this. Mm, it's, it's not about you and your sadness. Yeah. yeah. Take yeah. yourself out of this for a second. Yeah. And so then people just bring you food for seven days. Right. So you don't have to leave the house. Right. So people are just bringing you food, bringing you food. And you just do be at home, be at home. And then she was telling me that for after that, it's 30 days where I think you don't work. Hmm. You don't do anything for 30 days. You can leave the house. You can do whatever, but you're, you, you don't go to parties. Hmm. You don't celebrate. You don't do any kind of bullshit like that. And I think during that time, like one day of the week, you dedicate to the memory of your parent that, that you've lost. So one day you, you're sitting and meditating on your parent and thinking of all the memories and processing what they did. And then... Yeah. After that, and I think you're wearing black. Mm. And I've been thinking a lot about that, the wearing black thing. And it's like, oh, now I get it. In the West, because we are not sophisticated when it comes to death, 
We don't know how to treat a grieving person. You know, I, I, I wanted, I, you know, didn't want to interrupt you, but interrupt. I wanted to bring you around to, because you're sort of, you're, you're touching on this a lot. Like, what is the right thing to say? To someone who's grieving what is the right way to help someone who's grieving right obviously sincerity don't you know like i know how you're feeling no you don't yeah so but like we've talked about how to deal with a dying person but yeah. how to deal with you how to deal with someone whose parent has just died What's, don't put your fear of death on them right so because you're afraid your parent's gonna die right don't react to them like your parent died what you here's how you here's what you don't want to have happen if someone tells you their parent died you don't want to find them comforting you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Which also happens with the dying person, right? A lot of times yes. the dying person is like, oh, don't worry. Yeah. Like, Jesus, like, uh, give the guy a break here. Yeah. 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 You don't want to put, and it's all, any, any attempt at like being kind to a person is great. Yeah. It's just what can end up happening is you accidentally instinctually add your own dramatic fear of your parents' death or your own right. mortality. So what ends up happening is like, you know, I've told a few people and they're just like, are you okay? Oh my God. Oh my, my I'm so scared that my mom is gonna die. And I'm like, oh, I'm sure she'll be okay. <laughs> now that it's like, I want it, I don't even want it to be about me, yeah. but it's like, because your energy you're having yeah. this like uh you're having this um uh unpredictable cycle of energy release in the form of tears and sobbing and your body's exhausted your bones feel heavy hmm. my heart feels heavy we know yeah. when people say i have a heavy heart right your heart feels <laughs> literally heavy you feel it yeah you feel it in all your body yeah and, and, and so, yeah, when a person's grieving, uh, the best thing to do is like, what I love, like when I was talking to Bobcat, because he was someone who's from clearly familiar with death, my friend Bob, cause he was just like, he graduated. Congratulations. That was, you helped him through hmm. you. That was good. He graduated, you know, and maybe not spend a lot of time on it. You know, if the person wants to talk about it, let him, yeah. but you don't have to be like asking quite you know what i mean like right. grief is fucking weird and the other thing that it, it reminds me of this it's a paul simon lyric losing love is like a window in your heart everyone everybody sees the wind blow everybody sees you're blown apart everybody feels the wind blow right yeah. Yeah. And, and and we us grieving people we know you can tell yeah we know you can tell but maybe right now I want to I want I want to act like I'm okay, yeah. and that's okay too. You know, of course, this is when I start crying. <laughs> you know, maybe this second I don't want to be like a sobbing mess. I want to pretend everything's fine. Yeah, I'm gonna play video games. Everything's cool. Yeah, and if you wouldn't mind just playing that game with me, that'd be cool. Because oh. don't worry, there's gonna be plenty of times for me to burst into tears in front of you. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So that's kind of a way when you're around a grieving person. I think the wearing black makes much more sense to me now. Yeah. In a community that understands death, if we see someone wearing black. We know they don't have to tell us. Mm. They don't have to say anything. Yeah. And I know I'm going to be gentle with this person for a little bit. Yeah. Until they're not wearing black anymore. You know, I was thinking, uh, I was thinking about this, like how, you know, this process that I'm sort of in the midst of and you're on the, you know, on the other side of. And 
I was feeling how it makes me want to be kinder to everybody. Yes. Right. You know, because they, a lot of them have been through this. A lot yes. of them have been through it at a much younger, more vulnerable age than you and me, you know, and so they might have unresolved issues that are coming out as anger or aggression or they're cutting me off in traffic or they're whatever. And it's like, if you could see, you know, if, if that window were open on everyone, you'd see so much grief in people. You just don't know. Yeah. You don't yeah. know, man. And it's like when you're around the person who's being, you know, especially when it comes to death. And family members who maybe are acting like in ways that are completely intolerable to you and you want to get mad at them and you do, but it's good to remember they're dealing with this shit too. Right. And they're dealing with it in their own way. Yeah. And and maybe their way of dealing with it doesn't match your way of fucking dealing with it. And that doesn't mean they're wrong. Right. Easy thing to forget. <laughs> you know, easy thing to forget. Yeah, because yeah. you know, I've I've talked to some people who have family members who, in the midst of death, turn into like just fucking assholes. Yeah, and get obsessed with the cost of things mm. and shit like that. Yeah, and but that's because that's something they can control. Right, they can deal with like VA forms, right? You know, they can deal with like yeah how much the price of the this or that may be because that's calculable but they can't calculate the amount of time that the mother or father might not exist in this dimension yeah that's incalculable that you need a big you need a lot of zeros <laughs> for that for, for that one zero you know my idea of of what happens is is just a metaphor but it encapsulates a lot of what you were saying I, I think of us as raindrops. We come out of the vapor in the sky. Yeah. We form a life is a raindrop. Duncan's a raindrop. Chris is a raindrop. We're, we're coming down. And at one point or another, we hit the ocean. Yeah. The raindrop's gone. But whatever was within you and within me exists it just yeah. rejoins the whole yeah and goes through the cycle again and yeah so that's the permanence and the impermanence and you know the transitory movement you know through life and all that i that's as close as i get to any sort of overriding theory of what the fuck is going on here i mean it sounds great and i'll tell you what my teacher ragu will tell me sometimes he will say we don't fucking know. <laughs> That's, <laughs> right. like that. That's a good teacher. We don't fucking know. That's what it yeah. comes down to. We don't know. Yeah. And you can like paint the wall of infinity with as many pretty pictures or scary pictures as you want. Yeah. But that's just a projection. There is no wall, you know, and it's in, and, and you're there already and this is it. So, you know, but that's okay to paint the pictures. Yeah. It helps. Just don't mistake them for reality. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, man. Thank you. This is a very privileged and private moment. Thank you for being here with me. I couldn't think of anyone else I'd want to be with right now. Thanks, Thank brother. you. He said, baby, what's a big deal? Feel what you want to feel. 
say what you wanna say You're gonna die one day For example, I could kiss you Just because I want to What's the difference if you turn away I'm gonna die one day Why do you waste your time Thinking about your reputation Trying to meet an expectation Wondering what they're gonna say When everyone you've ever known Is headed for a headstone I don't wanna give the end away But we're gonna die one day Your body is an animal Doesn't ask for much A little music and a soft touch Why don't you let it out to play Your heart is in a birdcage Singing in your chest You wanna shut it up but give it a rest You're gonna die one day Why do we waste our time Thinking about a reputation Running from a confrontation Wondering what we ought to say <laughs> When everyone we've ever known Is headed for a headstone I don't want to give the end away But we're gonna die one day We're gonna die one day We're gonna die one day So baby, what's a big If you wanna be free, say what you wanna feel. Spend the night with me. I'm gonna take you up in my arms. And if we must go down, we'll go singing to the smoke alarms. We'll dance into the ground.